All right, we're going to pray a blessing over him. Lord, we thank you for Rodney, for what you're doing in his life, for the countries you're taking him to this year. Lord, we ask that you would turn back to him everything he's sown into us this weekend. And Lord, we just look forward to hearing what you want to say through him. Lord, we give him full permission to speak into our hearts and engage our spirits as he preaches to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> oh, you guys good? I'm doing good. I should. Uh, just a, I have, I have a one book. Actually, I got two. I went ahead and put another one out just because I had a few copies of it. But uh, there is the forgiveness book. I did write it uh, for you know several reasons. One, like that, that was that uh, uh, was mentioned. Grant mentioned was because it did lighten my counseling load. You know. Secondly, it just helped people work it through who don't understand it. Who who, who they just need to wrestle it through. But uh, the other reason I wrote it, the last reason, is because whenever you tear down an ungodly stronghold, you always rebuild a godly stronghold in the opposite spirit. And, and one of the reasons why those feelings of unforgiveness still pop up, and that's what happens sometimes, right? You, well, I'm, I make a decision, I'm going to forgive, I, so I choose to forgive, and then like a week later, I still have these feelings of unforgiveness. And the reason is because you still have a mentality that's in agreement with, bit, with bitterness. So you have to dismantle that mindset and rebuild a godly mindset, you know, that's in agreement with, uh, with, 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 with compassion. So you have to build a godly stronghold of compassion when you tear down bitterness. So the last part of the book is simply to help do that, simply have to put compassion into your life and begin to, to let let that rule. Now, that last part there, I actually put it together in a, another book for, to work through like any stronghold. This one I just kind of focused upon, you know, tearing down bitterness and building in compassion. But I put this together primarily for people who've gone through freedom, you know, like you've gone through some deliverance and stuff like this, and you, and, but you still have a mindset. Most people who go, go through deliverance, they can pretty much fill their life up, because we know we need, can't leave the house empty, right? Because if we do, seven worse comes back. We know that, right? You, have you read that passage, like Matthew 12, like 44 through 45? So, for, but for most people, they just fill their lives up just by doing the things you should do, like walk with Jesus, spend time in His Word, worship, connect with other believers. I mean, most people, that, that pretty much fills them. But, you, but for some people, you've got a whole mindset that's in agreement, a whole mentality that's in agreement, which is a mental stronghold. And you have to dismantle that and rebuild something new. Because sometimes what we've, we've actually, we, also, we actually develop a, a false identity and embrace a false identity that, that's not really us. And that's based upon lies. And so we have to kind of dismantle that false identity by addressing those lies and then bringing in truth and, and really begin to embrace a godly identity. So that's really what I put this together for, okay? So I wasn't going to sell it but because usually I'm not, I'm not really teaching on deliverance and, and freedom. Uh, but I've talked with some of you who've gone through deliverance, you, and just in case you need it, you know, I only have about eight copies out there, so just let you know. Those of you who need it, you may want to... Get there quick later after church. They're not for sale now. <laughs> you know, G Jesus made this statement in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you go, when you pray, go by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in secret. And the Father who sees you there, he will reward you. There's something, there's a place that we come into a place that we can actually come into where we can receive instructions for the day, you know, find, get strength when we're weary, find strategy for the future. And it's the hidden place. It's the secret place. It's not the place that you share with other people. It's something between you and the Lord. And it's, it's a place where you're able to actually experience His mind. The thoughts of God, which we really do need if we're going to fulfill our purpose. I was, uh, 
I, li- I pastored in the San Francisco Bay Area for 23 and a half years in the same church. Uh, it was, it was a, a wonderful experience. Uh, you know, I used to tell people I, I grew it and killed it several times <laughs> in all those years. <laughs> uh, but one of, the thing, one, of, one of the friends that I developed, or friendships that I developed down there, was with a guy named Ed Silvoso, who is, has a ministry called the Harvest Evangelism. And uh, one thing I loved about Ed is that he, he'd always uh, bring these guys from Argentina, because he's from Argentina himself, part of the revival in Argentina. He'd bring these guys in, and they're able to, they would actually come into our church a lot and minister in our church. And then what Ed would do is that every year, and he actually still does this, he, he, would, he would go to a place where some transformation has taken place, and he would, he would just have a, a set of meetings for a week and invite all of these people from around the world that are actually bringing transformation into their own little world. And you can, and you can just kind of hear their stories of what God is doing. So, so uh, for a couple of years, he had it in Hawaii. And so, you know, somebody needed to go to Hawaii to go to attend that conference. <laughs> so I volunteered for that since, you know, he is a friend and we want, we want him to know that we supported him, <laughs> you know. So, so I'm in Hawaii the first time I'm in there. And so we have this opening banquet. And so I'm walking in. I don't know where to sit down. And Ed says, you know, he looks at me, hey, come over and sit at my table. So I came in and I sat at his table. And, and he had some of the major speakers that were like going to be speaking at the conference, sitting at the table. And I'm able to hear these guys' story firsthand before we even had the conference. You know, one of the guys at the table was the lieutenant governor in Hawaii. His name was Duke Iona. And he, he was, he's actually, they were doing some things in the schools, like praying in the schools and meeting all together with the schools, just praying for the state, which is kind of an amazing thing. Uh, there was also Chuck Ripka. He was sitting at the table. Chuck was a a banker. Uh, he has started a bank in Elk River, Minnesota. Uh, that year, he, it was like the fastest growing bank in that state. It, people, he drew all this attention from Wall Street and all these people because God had actually given him downloads of how to start this bank, to, to operate this bank. And so he was actually doing, you know, applying these principles, and God was just blessing. It was just exploding. Uh, you know, before anybody... You know, people wanted to come interview him. He said, okay, you can interview me if only if I can pray for you. So he led several of those people to Jesus. He, it, it was also a bank that if you wanted prayer, you could come to the bank for prayer. In fact, people would call the bank and says, is this the bank that prays for people? He says, yes, we are. Just a moment. I'll, I'll transfer you to that department. <laughs> they had about that year, they had about 80 people come to the Lord, and about 80 people healed at the bank. I mean, that's better than a lot of churches, right? (laughs) Uh, Francis Oda and his wife Carolyn, they were were there as well. Uh, Francis lived in Hawaii. Francis uh, owned an architectural firm, but they didn't really plan buildings as much as they plan cities. And uh, he, he was telling the story of, of uh, this about Tahiti, because Tahiti at that time, several years ago, were doing this, this, com- this competition. They had actually hired a lot of these architectural firms from around the world to simply give them a plan to plan the city, because they were like wanting to build like a Waikiki beach type of thing to attract more tourism. And so they hired all of these companies, and this was one of the companies that they hired uh, to come. And they had this one week set aside to have this competition where, where everybody can make their presentation. The only problem is that Francis also pastored a small Assembly of God church, and they had a, a set of meetings that he, he, didn't, he, you know, he couldn't miss at his church. And so he made arrangements to come the week before to show the president his presentation. So he brings his team, he comes in and uh, meets with the president and his wife and, and some of their staff people, and he sits there and he, and he shows them this presentation of what's going on there. And they said, well, you know, that's, that's, really, that's really good, we kind of like this, and we'll enjoy seeing this with all the other things next week. And they said, I'm sorry, you know, we, we, we can't come. 
you know, next week because we have something going on. And you can see him go, oh, okay, like, you know, fat chance of you winning anything here. I mean, that was the kind of the attitude that the president had. But they liked Francis. They engaged in a conversation with him, and they were just talking to him. And, and he was kind of telling him, says, okay, this is where they're building it. But over here, over here is a, it, 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 so we don't know what to do with this. We've got this traffic problem. You know, he kind of talks about how they're working on this. They've hired all these, these French engineers to try to figure out the, the, the traffic issue, and they don't know what to do there. And, and he was telling them what he's going to do there. And Francis said, you know, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. You know what I would do? He said, what's that? He said, I, I would just build it. And he talked about this, this cultural center. He just had this idea that's come to his head. And the president liked the idea. His wife loved the idea. Then they said to Francis, well, you know, would you mind if we told everybody like this was our idea? <laughs> he said, no, go ahead and tell them. You know? So he said, do you think you might draw something up for us? And he said, well, yeah, let me, let, me, let me work on that. Give me a few days to work on something. So, you know, he, they go back. They actually liked him really well. They invited him to dinner one night. So he comes to the dinner. He's sitting with the president and a bunch of these people. And also at the dinner, somebody has some sort of an episode that he doesn't know what. All he knows is that the person passed out and fell on the floor. And they're all panicking. And he runs over there and just, just prays for them in the name of Jesus. And they recover. And they look at him like, what did you do? He goes, I'm serious. It's just Jesus. Just Jesus. So now he's trying to think through this thing. Like, What, what would this thing look like? Because now he's going to try to put together something. And, 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 and what happened, he was out just swimming in the ocean. And all of a sudden, while he's swimming, you know, sometimes in a brain-dead activity, you know how things kind of come to you? God just speaks to you. That ever happened to you? Like in the shower or something like that? Well, you know, here he's just swimming, and all of a sudden he had this download of what this thing would look like. He just gets out there, takes a stick, he draws this thing in the sand. He gets the staff to come, and they take some pictures. He goes back, and they actually put something together, called the president, and they said, okay, we'll have something for you in like a couple of days. So they go, so they set up the time. An hour before he was supposed to bring that thing, the, the president calls him. And says, you know, we we're talking about that traffic problem. He says, do you think you can come up with a solution for that? And he says, well, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an engineer. So, but I'll, I'll just, you know, if something comes to my mind, I'll put it together. And something came to his mind, and he put it together. Well, he shows, shows up. They show the president I mean, you know, and his wife what they were, you know, working on. They love it. They said, this is amazing. We really like this. And how about that traffic problem? He says, well, this is what I came up with. And he shows him what he came up with. And the president, he looks at that, calls his engineer. What do you think? He says, I think that'll work. Then the president gets mad. We have been paying those French engineers <laughs> to do this for like 13 months. And this guy comes up with it like in the same day. And Francis said, listen, it, it's really, it's just God. It's really, it's just God. Well, before, before Francis left, he had led the president's wife to the Lord and one of his staff members to the Lord. And then like a couple of months later, the president of Tahiti calls him up and says, how, can you tell me how I can know Jesus? He leads him to the Lord, and he baptizes everybody in the presidential swimming pool. And I don't have to tell you who got the, I think it was like $9 billion or $11 billion project. <laughs> Interesting, but that he's not really keeping all the profits from that. They're actually pouring that back into the country in order to, or a lot of the prophets back into the country to deal with systemic poverty that's actually in that country. You know, one of the things that the Lord is doing, the Lord is beginning to give downloads to, to fix the problems that the world has. The world is looking for answers, and the things in the world are broken. 
And God is really calling the people of God simply to rise up. And, the, and, and a lot of this, is, I think, is coming in line with an understanding of the kingdom of God. You know, I'm not going to preach that message today, but re, we don't really understand fully the kingdom of God. See, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And what we usually preach is the gospel of reconciliation, not the gospel of the kingdom. Reconciliation is step one of coming into the kingdom. But yet it's much bigger than just being reconciled to God. But a lot of times the reason we have powerless Christians because we've only taught them, we've only given them the gospel of reconciliation, being reconciled to God, and that's all they think there is with the Christian life, not realizing, no, there is a purpose and there's a plan. You know, I love the, you know, the songs we sang, like the first song about the kingdom and bringing everything into the kingdom. And guess really what is happening. And what has happened is there is now a resurgence of understanding what the kingdom of God is. You know, then all of a sudden people are getting a vision that God's going to use me wherever I'm at. You see, the church has always done very good at pulling people out of the marketplace, trying to stick them into ministry, not realizing their ministry was in the marketplace. You know, their work happens to be worship. Anything you do with your hands is an act of worship. You do everything unto the Lord. And so when you see work is worship, you know, realize when I go go to work, I'm actually worshiping God because whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it unto the Lord, and I'm doing it with my hands. And therefore, that is ministry wherever I am. You know, I don't separate the secular from the religious. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's it's all the same thing. You know, I, I think everything that God has called us to do, you can probably find it on a can of WD-40. <laughs> I mean, just look on the can of WD-40. Just look at what it does. It, it said that it cleans and it protects. You know, God has called us basically to bring his, his, his presence that actually brings purity and light and life everywhere that we go. You know, it displaces moisture, which means it pushes out the darkness and it removes what, what brings corruption. And that's what we're called to do. I mean, in other words, God enables us to, to do that. It's that it penetrates and loosens rusted parts and lubricates. In other words, it takes what's broken and what's frozen and it fixes it. God has solutions for whatever the world is needing. He's just waiting for us to get heavenly downloads for that to take place. I had a guy in my church uh, one time who worked for the, for the IRS. Talk about a dysfunctional system. And what happened is that he doesn't know anything really about databases, but God would give him things for databases that he would present to his bosses who would take it to the people who did know something about databases and said, this is, this is good, this works, where did you get this? And they would say, where, where did you, they talked to him, where did you get this? Well, uh, you know, God just gave it to me. Okay. And he got a promotion. That happened like several times. <laughs> I think God is willing to give us solutions to the problems that the world has. If we'll just ask. You see, the world happens to be captivated by the wisdom of heaven. Whenever you display the wisdom of heaven, the world is drawn and captivated by it. I mean, for example, in 1 Kings chapter 10, it's a story about uh, uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba who basically came to see him, to see if all of this stuff was true. It says, now, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with difficult questions. So she came to Jerusalem with a large, very large retinue with camels carrying spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke, uh, she, she, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. And it says, Solomon answered all of her questions. Nothing was hidden from the king which he did not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba perceived all of the wisdom of Solomon, the house they had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, the attendance of his waiters in their attire, his cupbearers, and the stairway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She was taken out. 
with just the small things. Nevertheless, she said, I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes have seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. You exceed in wisdom and prosperity the report which I heard. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. You see, she was drawn, but yet who did she give glory to? This is how the fame of the Lord is going to be spread all over the world. This is how the glory of God is going to just, just move throughout the world, is that he's actually going to use you to be the agency to bring that, bring that to pass. As we simply display the wisdom of heaven. Who, and, 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 you know, and these things, you know, God wants to give it to us. I mean, James 1 tells us that God gives us wisdom and he gives it to it in a liberal fashion. In other words, he's not stingy about it. He's willing to give it. He's wanting to give it. And he wants to give it to us in a very liberal fashion, but you have not because, yeah, you're not asking. But there is a place and there's a way that we can actually move into these things and and this place of revelation to receive the things that really the world is hungry for. Because God is wanting to do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this in verse 9 and verse 10. It says, And this is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. For we know these things because God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. And His Spirit searches out everything and knows even God's deep secrets. I think there's some scripture. I don't know if you guys can, if that's going to fit there or not. But uh, he says, I hadn't seen, ear hadn't, you know, hadn't heard. And in other words, you, you can't even comprehend what God has prepared for you. You think, well, I can imagine a lot. <laughs> but you can't even grasp everything that God is wanting to reveal to you. Next two verses, verse 11 and 12. It says, no one can know what anyone is really thinking except that person alone. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. Is that word freely? I mean, freely what means? You don't, you're not earning it. You don't pay for it. You don't do something to get it or deserve it. I mean, in other words, God wants to freely give us these things. Sometimes we think, well, I have to be good enough, or maybe I have to be mature enough, or maybe I have to kind of position myself. Actually, God, God, God wants to freely give it to you regardless. Freely means freely. It doesn't mean like maybe if I'm righteous enough, then God will simply give it to me. Or, or maybe, you know, if I prove myself, God will trust me with it. No, it actually freely actually means freely. Otherwise, it's not freely. <laughs> this is the nature of God. Have you noticed that God always trusts you with the major anointing, but... That which is greater than your maturity to bear it? <laughs> that's because he's just God. That's, that's really the nature of God. Look at 13 and 14. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths because God, from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. Now, what he is saying here is that once you come into a relationship with Jesus, you now have a receiver and an interpreter of the things of God. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have the right equipment for this. 
Because you don't have the Spirit of God. But once you are in a relationship with Jesus, God's inside you, His Spirit inside of you. Now you have the right equipment so that you can receive what God has to say and you can also interpret what God has to say so you can understand it. Those outside, they don't get it. They don't, they don't comprehend. They can't figure it out. And a lot of those things sound stupid to them. I mean, for example, you know, we took an offering and they were talking about giving. You know, that, that, to the world, that sounds stupid. Why would I want to give 10% of my income to the Lord? It's because they don't understand, you know, how that activates God's protection. They don't understand how I, that activates me in a place where I can rebuke the devourer. They don't understand that God can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%. You know, it's like it does, they can't figure that thing out. But you'll, you'll see this, even, because that's a principle, even people who are not even believers, if they will just basically give 10%, like they just activate a principle of God's provision, you know, <laughs> and they're not even believers. You know, but, but the world itself doesn't really understand these, these principles. You know, to be first, you got to be last, you know. In order to, to be great, you got to serve. I mean, the world doesn't get these things, but, but we understand these things, and, and we're able to live by these things because we have the ability to hear from God and understand what he's saying. Verse 15 and 16, we who have the Spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How can they? For, for who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is your inheritance. It belongs to you. And it belongs to him so that you can really obey him. God wants to reveal his mind to you. In fact, you know, you, really, you can't even obey God without revelation. I mean, we have his word. We have the principles in his word. We, 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 we can understand his heart and his passion, his word. But, you know, there are some things that God wants you to do on a regular and a daily basis that you need to hear his voice for. Where he tells you to go, what he tells you to do, who he tells you to connect with, how he, who he tells you to minister to. I mean, some of these can be found in the principles of God, in the heart of God. But yet there's some specific things the Lord will say, this is what I want you to do today. And, and as you go throughout your day, he says, hey, pay attention to this. You know, in other words, in, to, to, to walk with God and to obey God, even daily, we have to hear his voice. And he said in John 10 that my sheep... Hear my voice. If you're his sheep, you can hear his voice. Now, some of you may not under, know that you can, but you really can because you may be waiting for it to sound like a sentence in English, you know, and it may not come that way. It may just come an impression or a thought or, or something like that. I mean, there's, there's many ways in which God speaks, okay? But you can actually hear his voice, and we, and actually, we actually need to do that, you know? Because you, you do have the right equipment. You have the capacity to do it. So the, the question then that we have to begin to move into, if I have the right capacity, if I have the right equipment, okay, how do I activate that? How do I walk in that? You know, and, and I think what we have to do is that we, we have to look at how Jesus did it. Because Jesus, when he, he, he actually modeled for us the, the, the spirit-filled life, didn't he? Because he chose, as God, chose to abandon his place in the Godhood to become fully human and to live as a man. I mean, he wasn't pulling out his God powers. You understand that, right? I mean, he, he, he was baptized in the Spirit. He did nothing until the Spirit of God came upon him. And then he did everything by the Spirit. You know, he was baptized. And then it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Then it says that you know, the Spirit led him to go to, you know, to Nazareth. I mean, into Galilee. So, in other words, he lived a life that was that was being filled with the Spirit, abandoning the God powers, living as, as a person filled with the Holy Spirit to demonstrate and show us how to do it. So we look at, so we look at how, how did he do it? Well, we, you know, one of the places we look at is in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, The next morning Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. Jesus had a secret life with the Father that he didn't share with anybody else. Because he lived by the rules of humanity, 
He had to go pray. (laughs) And it was a time that he didn't really share with his disciples at all. It says that he went alone. And he went far enough away that he could not be disturbed. He had a lifestyle of spending time with the Father alone. Now, there were like a couple of times that the disciples got in on his time with the Father. But it was very rare. Most of the time, he guarded and he protected his time with the Father and spent time with the Father. He intentionally got away from the distractions and from people and connected with the Father. He did not want to be found. He did not want to be disturbed. He's laying the model for us, okay, of what, what, uh, how we basically get the same kind of downloads. Uh, look, another one that kind of illustrates this, uh, in Mark chapter 6, this is after they just, there was the feeding of the 5,000. And, of course, you know, I mean, you spend all your day feeding, feeding the, teaching and feeding the multitudes. It's going to wear you out, don't you think? Okay, it'd wear me out. So verse 44 says, 5,000 men had eaten from those five loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat, head out across to the, the lake to Bethsaida, while he sent the people home. Afterwards, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. I like the way that it says this. He made the disciples get back in the boat. Guys, I want you to get into the boat. Oh, well, that's okay, Jesus. We can, we can wait for you. No, get back in the boat. Really, really, Jesus, we don't mind waiting for you. You know, we'll just kind of hang out here. Whenever you're done, whatever you're done, we'll be right here. No, get back in the boat. Get on the boat and get over to Bethsaida. Well, how are you going to get there? The Father's got that handle. Don't worry about it. Okay? Get in the boat and go. They get in the boat and they go. Tells the people to go home. He gets up there, talks to the Father, and I think the first question he asked, how am I getting over to the other side? Of course, a few hours later, he was walking on the water. So the father did have a plan. <laughs> but that tells you his priority. He wanted to have the mind of God. And so he went and, and, and got alone with the father. He modeled to his disciples how to do this. So they would pay attention to spending time with the Father and making that a priority in their life. And then he modeled to them, really, the the intimacy of coming into the relationship with Jesus and hearing him in person. Because what Jesus would do, he would gather his disciples together and he would share with them the things that he wasn't sharing with anybody else. It says in Mark chapter 4, we're going to spend the rest of our time in this chapter, Just at the end of the chapter, he says he used many such stories and illustrations or parables to teach the people as much as they were able to understand. In fact, in his public teachings, he taught only with parables. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained the meaning to them. This chapter is about revelation, okay? In in, in verse 11, just backing up to that, He said this to disciples. He said, you are permitted to understand the secret about the kingdom of God. But I'm using these stories to conceal everything about it from others. So in other words, Jesus was saying this, guys, you know, I I want you to know you're in my inner circle. And because you're in my inner circle, I am willing to tell you everything. Because you're in my inner circle. But everybody else, they can't understand. I'm giving them what what they can understand, what what they can comprehend. But with you guys, whenever we get together, I'm going to explain it and help you understand. Because you are in my inner circle. Well, guess who else is in the inner circle now? You are in his inner circle. I mean, you are in a place where Jesus would like to explain and help you understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. Now, he goes on. Let me just, we're going to spend some more time, you know, in this chapter, just in a few of the verses there. But, but it's, it's really about revelation. We're going to be, you know, like in verse 21 through verse 25. But, 
But verse 21 and verse 22, he, he, he talks about the lamp to help them understand some things about Revelation. And the context is Revelation because when we read those succeeding verses, you'll see how it's talking about that. But in verse 21, it says this. It says, when Jesus said to them, would anyone put a lamp, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed to shut out the light? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. And everything that is hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light. So he asked this question. Okay, if we light a lamp, what are we going to do? Are we, are, we, are we going to stick it under the bed? Are we going to get a basket and put a basket over that? He says, no. We actually let the lamp, we put it on the stand so that it will shine and it will illuminate the whole room. So that everything that is in darkness will actually come to light. And in this passage here, he's actually saying this, that we have a light, that we, the light of illumination that, that really can be shined, that, that can actually bring illumination on all the things, even the secrets of God can be revealed. But the light doesn't discriminate on what it shines on. Which means it not only shines on the revelation of God, but it also will shine into that dark corner that you've been keeping in the dark. In other words, that thing in the corner, it's, 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 the light of the Lord is going to illuminate that too. And so what, what happens, people are like, well, you know, I, I think, I think I, I, I would like the light of God just to shine in one direction. <laughs> Let's shine on this way over here. And I want to know all the deep secrets of God and all the things that God has to say. And let's shine in this way and we'll keep this area dark. <laughs> if you want... All that God has to show you, you got to turn up the light so that you see that. But that means this is going to come into the light. Now, because he says that you have a basket, no one puts a basket over it. But what, what happens is that we sometimes put the basket on the light because we don't want it to shine in here. But whenever we, 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 we dim down the light so it doesn't shine over here, we've also dimmed down the light so it's not shining over here. In other words, the dimmer switch is in your hand, and you get to determine how much revelation you walk in by how much light you want to turn up. The more light you turn up, the more revelation you have. But it's also going to bring light to everything that's in the corner. And if you say, well, I don't want to, I'm hiding here. This stuff, I'm ashamed of it. I'm embarrassed by it. It's in the history. You know, it, it's just like, I, don't, I do not want to deal with what's in the corner. So what happens is that the light of the Lord comes up, and you're okay with it when it comes up to a certain point. You know, but it gets to a certain point, you go, okay, that's it. <laughs> we're not, we're not doing, we're not, we're not going there, you know. So all of a sudden, you just, the dimmer switches, you you stop it, and so now you're only living in so much revelation because you're unwilling to bring light to this. So you are the key to how much revelation you have how much you walk in, how much you experience. Because you're the key with how much illumination is going to be shining because how willing are you to bring light to everything? Now, often what happens we have to come to terms that I'm going to have to deal with that stuff in the corner. And that scares some people to death. But it's, it's just going to have to happen here. Because you see, you don't have to really have to fear it because Jesus would like to bring everything to the light so he can disable it, disarm it, so that it no longer has power over you. 
And when you bring revelation to the stuff in the corner, he's not going to humiliate you, embarrass you, condemn you, degrade you. You don't have to come and tell the whole church. You don't, he's not going to put in your little Sunday. I don't know if you have Sunday bulletin or not, or in the announcements. You know, he's not going to do that. Some things you can actually take place with you and the Lord. Some things you can take place with you and somebody that you trust. Some things need to be brought before spiritual mom or dad. But when you do, the Lord will then disable it so that it no longer has power over you. But you have to bring it into the light to be able to deal with it. You see, the areas that you keep in darkness will be the very areas of your future defeat. Your greatest defense against the schemes of the darkness is to have an open and honest heart before God. Let's go to those next few verses. Verse 23 and 24. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. And be sure to pay attention to what you hear, because the more you do this, the more you will understand, and even more besides. So verse 23, anyone who's willing to hear should listen and understand. Other translations, you know, he who has ears to hear, you know, let him hear. So it, I think it begins with, who's, you know, are you willing to hear? I, re I remember... Uh, when I was very young, I, was, I asked my mom, my, my very godly uh, spiritual mom, and I asked her, I said, how can I know what God wants me to do with my life? And she says, well, are you willing to do anything that he asked you to do? And I thought for a moment, I said, of course not. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things I didn't want to do. I, I didn't want to be a missionary to China or to Africa, Okay. I mean, I didn't want to be a missionary at all, you know. And there's, I mean, there's certain things I just did not want to do. And so I said, well, no, you know. And she says, well, you know, I think when you're willing to do anything that he asks you to do, I think he'll tell you. And I think your willingness to obey is going to be tied to your ability to hear. Your willingness to hear is going to be tied to your willingness to obey. So if you're not willing to obey, to do whatever God tells you to do, you're not going to be hearing until you Lord, whatever you want, whatever you tell me, wherever you lead me, that kind of mindset opens your ears up to hear. And if you can hear, then you will understand. You know, once you hear, you will comprehend what, what he's saying. Verse 24, I like that, says, you know, be, pay attention to what you hear, because the more you do this, the more you will understand, and even more besides. So in other words, when I start hearing from God, I, I will start hearing more from God. I mean, revelation comes like that. It's like he's not going to just open the big picture at once and like... Ooh, I mean, in other words, you're going to see a little bit, and then you're going to see a little bit more. In other words, the more you hear, the more you will hear. And the more you hear, then the more you will hear. So the more you will hear, then even the more you will hear. So it's like once you start getting revelation, all of a sudden, you know, the light starts getting turned up. So the way you turn up the dimmer switch lighter, you start hearing. And the more you hear, then the more you will hear. So this habit actually produces more. Let's go to verse 25. Those who are open to my teaching, the more understanding they will be given. And let me just say this. I don't, I, I don't have a, a lot of revelation that comes in my, really, the, the actual time that I spend with God. God speaks to me a lot in my time with Him. But what happens when I spend time with God in the morning time, then all of a sudden I've set, a, I've set my heart and my mind towards Him. And then I will actually hear Him more throughout the day. 
Not that God won't give me some downloads and understanding of my time with him, but a lot of it is simply I start this, I start this communication with him, and all of a sudden throughout the day, God begins to speak more and more and more. I will actually hear him more in the day as I've set that tone in the morning. All right, next part, part of verse 25. Those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. So you cannot plateau here. You cannot come up to a place of revelation, hearing more and more, and then bang, plateau. You can't say, okay, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing. Oh, no, the corner's getting, <laughs> we're not having that. So I'm just going to, we're just going to stop right here. You know, we're, I'm just going to level off. No, you can't level off because either you were going up or you were going down. You can't, you, you can't level off. It, it's either you, you're moving in greater revelation or you're actually decreasing in understanding and revelation. And the problem is, is that whenever we've been on the increase, we've learned the language of the increase so that other people don't know that we've started the decline because we still use the revelation language. How the Lord is speaking to me, the Lord's showing me. So I know how to talk the language because I've learned it up to, you know, step by step by step. And all of a sudden I go, okay, we're not showing that anymore. You know, I just kind of, we're just going to level it off, but realize now it's going down, down, down. But people don't see that at first. Eventually, they will. Because <laughs> that darkness will catch up with you. I love Psalm 25, 14 in the New Living Translation. It says, friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. With them, he shares the secrets of his covenant. The invitation here today, first of all, is to anyone who might be here today, that you don't have any of the equipment to hear from God at all because you've never given your heart to Jesus. The first step of coming to the kingdom of God is simply to give him your whole life, your whole heart, and, and actually ask him to come in as king of your life. At absolute rulership over every part of your life. At that point, the king will come in to your life when you invite him. And when he does, he will make you a new creature and a new creation. And when that, when that happens, then you will, his spirit will, who, in that regeneration process will come in. And then at that time, you will actually now have the right equipment. The equipment to hear from God and to understand what God is saying. You will actually have a new voice, even though it may not sound like another person's voice. It may, it'll sound like your thoughts, or it may just feel like an impression. Or, but you'll actually will know something will be different and changed. So the invitation today is going to be, first of all, if that is you, today is a good day to get the right equipment. It's a good day to come into a relationship with Jesus. It's a good day to have him forgive every one of your sins. It's a good day to know that your eternal, your eternal life will be with him and not apart from him. Today is a good day for that. So if that's you today, whenever we're going to be standing, in fact, go ahead and stand at this time. And we're just going to have some of the, your, your ministry team here you know, coming up to the front who minister. If that is you, do not leave here today without coming into that relationship. God brought you here today for that. And I'm going to ask those of you who don't have that relationship, don't just do it where you're at. Come up. 
and talk to somebody and let them walk you through that process. The invitation is also for those of you who have the dark corner and for you to talk to the Lord about what you're going to do about that. I'm not going to tell you that you have to come forward and have to talk to somebody because the people in front, you may not know them or trust them. And you may have some things you say, I'm not willing to, I don't know these people. I'm not going to, because God's not going to make you cast your pearls before swine. And not that they're swine, you understand. But it's like, they're, they're not maybe people that you quite trust. But you're, he is going to give you a purpose. He is, going, he is going to give you a plan that you're going to have to follow. And with some of you, it might be that. It might be that you will need to come up and talk to somebody and just let them pray for you. But God wants you to walk in the fullness of revelation. The world needs an encounter with God. And one of the ways to have an encounter with Him is not just healing is one of the ways, of, you know, or, or freedom or something like that, but... But one of the ways they have an encounter with him is just experiencing the wisdom of heaven. See, a lot of you guys, you got problems in your work that need solutions. You got problems in your family that need solutions. God's here to give it to you. Downloads from heaven. You just got to position yourself to walk in greater revelation. Because he's not stingy about giving it. We ask, we turn up the light. So whatever it takes to turn that dimmer switch up, I just want to encourage you, go for it today. Just go for it today. Just let him do it. So we're just going to be entering just a time of, uh, of ministering and worship. And maybe if you just want to sit there, you're, you can do that. And, you know, when you feel like the Lord's with them, with you, you can, you can leave. You know, just don't feel like you're obligated.